I wrote my thesis in college on on labor economics and uh, and worked in the White House after college, focusing on the employment rate because it's right after the last recession. Did, worked in McKinsey Consulting, doing a lot of ed, uh, education, vocational training work, and then joined a labor marketplace startup. And I learned about agriculture and, and this specific problem of the labor problem through my cousin, Marsha, who's a farmer in Hollister, California, in the Central Valley. And Marsha was trying to grow her farm, and she asked for my help looking at her financials. And it was clear that, you know, she she's a she's a really well-respected farmer. She, she sells a Michelin to Michelin starred restaurants. She grows great produce. She speaks at conferences. She focuses on sustainability. She has great relationships with her workforce, but she didn't have enough labor to pick the crop of, of, uh, if she were to grow her farm. And, and that was like, you know, crazy to me that you could be that good at your job and and still not be able to grow because of things outside of your control. Um, and then I learned about H2A through one of the workers on her farm who was undocumented, who said, you know, he's from Oaxaca. He said, in Mexico, there's a visa we treat like gold but nobody knows how to get it. And when I started looking into it, I learned, you know, this visa is big, it's growing, it's uncapped. All the big farms are relying on it. Small farms are relying on it, but nobody really understands how it works. It's very complex. Um, It's highly fragmented in terms of like the providers you use to help get the visa. And there's no technology around it. And if you think about all the things you need to, to, to bring a technology solution into a market, it needs to be a big problem, you know, a growing market, um, fragmented, complex, and, and and in need of technology. If Microsoft has 90% market share in an industry, you're not going to disrupt it with technology. Um, so this, uh, you know, like, like H2A and this ag labor problem had all these issues in spades. And, um, and it was clear that like nobody was bringing technology into the space. And so I started shadowing farmers and kind of just going really deep and seeing that, um, you know, there, there was dire need for not only a, a software solution to make H2A uh, more streamlined, but really to run the back office as a whole. So from payroll to timekeeping, to food safety compliance, to labor compliance, you know, everything's being done manually and, and farms are just like a, a, one of the more laggard industries in terms of adopting technology in the back office. So there's been a ton of investment in technology in the field and on the production side of agriculture. But when it comes to managing and hiring and finding your labor force, there's been no technology adoption until now. Yeah. So as you're kind of doing these ride-alongs, if you don't mind me calling that, like what are you seeing yeah. is like the problem on the employer side as well as the employee side? Like how like how laborious is this process? I mean, is are they going through the steps or are they just saying like, we can't even go through the steps. This is too difficult. Like what, what, do, what were you finding? I mean, it's going to vary if you're talking about a small farm that's brand new to the program versus a big farm that's been doing this for 10 years. Um, But both are struggling with it because you have a manual process of all this paperwork you need to fill out worker by worker. When you're hiring somebody, when you're applying for the visa, there's a lot of regulation that you're unfamiliar with. So you're getting denials that you have to respond to. Um, And it's just kind of a lack of knowledge on all the different aspects of the program that you need to comply with first to get approval to bring in workers, then to bring in the workers in a compliant way, then to manage them in a compliant way uh, and, and manage that process in a compliant way. So, you, you know, we work with farms that are bringing in one worker and farms that are bringing in 6,000 workers. And so the, the, the problems vary, um, but, but, you know, it, it boils down to farmers want to farm. They're, they're, they don't like paperwork. They don't like the back office and they don't have any tools or workflows built for their industry. So they're trying to take a bunch of disconnected systems like, you know, you might have 
software for timekeeping or software for payroll or for accounting that aren't talking to each other and trying to map them all together. And where the software doesn't support what you're doing, you're doing it manually. So for example, we have a digital onboarding product um, that's compliant with you know all the regulations for, uh, for, for agriculture. And that, that means that instead of taking 20 to 30 minutes for every worker you're onboarding, it takes two minutes. Um, so those are like little things that, that, that we were doing to just either save them time or help them maintain compliance when you're not always familiar with, you know, what, what the rules are across you know, every aspect of, 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 of the program. At the beginning of the conversation, you said, I came at this from the labor side of things and then kind of discovered the ag problem. I feel like anybody who employs people knows that even the simplest stuff is way more difficult than it probably needs to be. I mean, the last the last document that I signed today before you and I talked was we hired a new employee in the state of Tennessee. We're not located in the state of Tennessee. So we have to file all these, you know, and every state's got a different process for it. So, I mean, yeah. here we are an established company with, you know, good operations people and it's still laborious for us. So when you're employing at a much bigger scale, uh, I, I would assume as you talk about this solution to uh, growers and different operations, I'm I'm guessing they're not saying, no, we've got it under control. They're probably like, yeah, what do you know? What can you do to help us smooth out, right? Yeah, I mean, hi- like hiring payroll and labor compliance is something that every farm struggles with. And it doesn't matter if you've been doing this, for, you know, for six generations, uh, it's, it's just not a clean process. And, and like I know for our company, we have employees in 30 states and we rely on, uh, on, on our HRIS system to guide us to make sure we're doing everything correctly. I, w- I wouldn't know on my own, you know, what, where to file insurance and what's different in Washington versus Idaho. Um, so, you know, that, that's definitely a huge value add that, that we bring to our customers is in the weeds kind of knowledge and, 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 and software to support just managing those workflows and, and, and it's not just state by state, it's even county by county. There's differences in agriculture. Um, and, and so that's not something anybody wants to worry about. You want to run your business and grow your business. You don't want to worry about, uh, are we doing you know unemployment taxes correctly? Yeah. Whenever, I'm just curious, whenever you're you know, over dinner or out to drinks with friends and they ask, hey, what are you up to? How do you explain what CISO labor is to them? Um. Yeah, I mean, it depends on if I'm giving the elevator pitch or, or the longer story, right. but essentially, you know, we help farms with with their biggest pain point, which is bringing in legal labor and managing that labor in a compliant way. Um, so that's kind of like the shortest possible way to explain it. So, you know, some people call it like a rippling or a gusto for agriculture. It's actually really hard to find one company to compare ourselves to. We're not the Uber for this or the rippling for that because we have a team on the ground in Mexico and, and in Guatemala supporting um, that, like all the different components of hiring workers. Uh, we've got services and software for compliance. So we've got, you know, support with recruiting sometimes. So there's not a clean analogy to what we do. Um, there's elements of, you know, service Titans, vertical software for, for the um, uh, trades industry. You know, there's a lot of similarities there. There's similarities with what work rise or rig up used to do, uh, does with, oil and gas workers there's similarities with rippling um but yeah we we it's a hodgepodge of but but the cleanest way to say it is is vertical software for agriculture with a focus on on labor and hiring workers yeah and so as you develop your product and you start to introduce this uh to some farmers 
what who were the early adopters and what was their reception to it as you explained to them kind of what your value prop is and what the software could do? Well, the the, the very first customer was was an ostrich farmer uh, in, in California, and I was cold calling the smallest farms in America, and I was saying, hey, you know, we'll do your visa for free if uh, if you'll let us do it, so we can learn. Um, that's very different from from now. We employ twelve of the twenty five largest employers in the industry, so. Our, our profiles changed in terms of what our customers look like. Um, but I had met somebody at a wedding early on who worked in insurance for, for agri- agribusiness. And he introduced me to a lot of his clients early on because he knew how big of a pain point H2A was. So these were like mid-market avocado and citrus farmers in California that were willing to take a chance on us. And, and you know, essentially I, I, I had a designer help me mock up what a website that didn't exist showed them, Hey, like, you know, this is what you'll work with if you work with us. And then when they said, sure, we'll try it with you. Then I had to build that website before, uh, before we got started. Um, so it was definitely, you know, leveraging relationships and luck. And, um, you know, my cousin was one of my, her farm was one of our first customers as well. And then once we figured it out, uh, we, we just kind of started cold calling farms that, you know, were connected to these guys and then just going, bigger and bigger as we, as we got more um, attention and, and, and more confidence in what we were doing and then hired, you know, uh, attorneys and um, people to really like complement all the different aspects of the, of, of the service that we were offering. That's awesome. So from those early days where you're kind of like saying, Hey, for free, let us learn through this MVP process to now you're signing some of these major, major clients, uh, huge employee headcount type groups. Like what, how would you, how would you uh, describe what those stages of that journey to this point have looked? Have there been like major milestones that you kind of hit along the way? And, and in terms of where you could go, like, where do you think you're at on this journey right now? Still early days, you think, or how would you frame it? Yeah, it's definitely still early days. I mean, the, like the, the beginning was like learning. Um, and then it was figuring out well, what is the roadmap? You know, like we want to, get help farms do this process of, of getting their workers, getting this visa done correctly um, and just kind of being a player. And then we want it to become, Hey, like what's, what can we do to differentiate ourselves? And, you know, one of the things we learned is that in the industry on average workers arrive two days late. So if you say, you know, we need workers January 1st, they're, they're, they're arriving January 3rd. And so we figured out, um, you know, all these different ways to, to improve and streamline the process so that on average, our workers, uh, or if you work with us, the workers arrive half a day early. Um, and so we were, we, you know, we wanted to differentiate ourselves by saying this isn't a cheaper service. This is a premium service that, um, you know, we're really going above and beyond in terms of customer service and how we serve our customers and, 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 and communicate with them. And then it was, hey, we're not just a premium service. We are a service that has a software platform that nobody else has that proactively helps you manage your workforce and think about and address problems before they, they arise. Um, and then, you know, it evolved into, well, once we spent more time with customers, we realized what are all the complementary services and workflows that are related to, you know, bringing in, bringing in labor um, on the management side. And so we started building out those features. Um, and then ultimately we want to be an end to end HRIS for agriculture and to be the single system of record for how you run and manage your, your workforce and then eventually accounting and, and, you know, go from HRIS to the ERP that you run the farm off of. Um, so there's yep. still very much a lot of steps, uh, ahead of us. Um, 
And like the, the model of that, you know, of a vertical, any vertical SaaS company is typically doing a land and expand model. So yep. you're landing a customer with a core product that serves, you know, one of their biggest needs. But the more time you're spending with these customers, the more you're understanding everything else that they're using three, four different vendors, software systems, service providers for. And you want to, you know, take all of that and, and be be the, the, the sole platform that they can run everything off of. And so that's very much our goal. So there, there's a, a long road ahead. Yeah, it sounds like you found the beachhead with uh, H2A that um, is the pain point that you felt like you could get in and solve first, right? Yeah. Um, and I'd like to say we're lucky um, because we, I mean, you know, there, there's a luck to starting any, any business. Um, so we're definitely lucky that, uh, you know, one of the things that really convinced investors that, hey, we're onto something is uh, I was pitching investors and then COVID happened, right? And like, like when the company was really in its early days and Trump banned every single visa group from entering the US at the start of COVID, you know, understandably, because nobody knew, you know, how the yeah. disease was spread. If you're bringing workers over, like what's going to happen within 24 hours, he unbanned only H2A. Um, so all these other visas, H1Bs, O1s, they weren't allowed to come into the US, but H2A was because that's how essential it is to our economy, to our food supply chain. Um, to, to our, you know, food security. Um, and then all of a sudden I'm getting all these investors calling and saying, okay, no, we get it now. Um, so that was, that was definitely like a, a, a helpful moment. Silver lining in that space. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are, I mean, it feels like you're, you're uh, fulfilling a, a, a real sharp pain point uh, for some, but I'm guessing still in conversations within the industry, there's misconceptions that you have to, um, kind of overcome or maybe explain your point of view on do you come into to that type of I'm, I'm assuming with labor uh you definitely do you mean, what, what kind of misconceptions you mean, do you feel like you need to free up in, within the industry or maybe outside the industry where you're like actually here's my point of view on it that's a little bit different than yours yeah yeah so I, I'll start with outside the industry um so outside the industry there's two things that people often say well isn't automation just going to replace all this labor and the, the answer is like, yes, may, maybe in 50 years, um, but it's definitely not in three to five years. Um, and if you talk to the CEOs of, of a lot of the big, you know, vertical, vertical farming companies or uh, automation companies, none of them are saying, yeah, we're going to have 1%, 5%, 10% market share in the next five, 10 years. They're saying this is a 10 to 20 year horizon before you see a dent in how, um, you know, specialty crop fruits and vegetables are picked and grown. And, and, and so, you know, automation is going to help improve things, but it is not going to replace labor in the fields in, in the immediate future. So that's just one like very big misconception. Farmers know that. Um, investors, people outside the industry don't really know that. Um, and then the second is, well, isn't this a really political issue? Do you, you know, what if you're, what if the industry gets regulated further? Are you guys at risk of, you know, not being able to do what you do if, if, if there's a regulatory hit? And um, it's a fair question, but H2A is actually, you know, first, you know, what I mentioned earlier, um, you know, how, how, how Trump had to unban H2A immediately after the pandemic started because of how essential this workforce is. H2A is a program that um, isn't perfect, but is is really effective in, in supporting farms with, with their labor needs and has pretty wide, you know, widely accepted bipartisan support. So you see Democrats and Republicans both supporting uh, the H2A program. There's a bill called the Farm Workforce Modernization Act, which passed through the House uh, twice and has always been stalled in the Senate. 
And that's a bill with bipartisan support. And that bill says, hey, let's give um, a path to citizenship for undocumented workers here in the U.S., but let's also expand the H-2A program. Um, so the two are not mutually exclusive. And, and, and ultimately, if there's immigration reform, it's going to be covering those two issues. And no one is saying, hey, let's get rid of the H-2A program or replace it because, you know, it's actually very essential to our economy. So the, so there's a misconception that, you know, this is a you know fragile program. You know, this program has been around uh, since the 80s and it's only growing. And uh, and any path towards, you know, improving our immigration system as it relates to agriculture is not going to be replacing this program. It's going to be expanding it. Um, and so that's one thing that a lot of people, you know, don't don't get right or don't understand fully the dynamics. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I would assume that there was um, some strong opinions um, that you're hearing from time to time. Yeah. What about what about the feedback from people who have uh, used the product for some time? Is what what's the feedback that they're talking about the most? Is it the time savings? Is it the um, you talked about the premium element to it. Like, what are they, what are you hearing feedback on of what they appreciate the most? Yeah. I mean, I, I think what we get a lot of respect for is we're not taking software that was built for another industry and trying to force it into this industry. Everything that we built is a workflow for agriculture that really understands the dynamic of, of hiring and managing, um, you know, an agricultural workforce. Um, so, so we get, we get a lot of credit for that. Um, but yeah, time savings, I would say, is one of the biggest factors. It's both time savings for your back office that is handling all the paperwork, um, but it's also time savings for your workforce. So let's say you're bringing in, uh, you know, a couple hundred workers from uh, Mexico and they take a, and they're coming on a bus for, you know, six, eight hours. They get on site and in the old model, they're standing around for another eight hours filling out paperwork. Sometimes you know, outside, sometimes inside, waiting for all this paperwork to get filled, you know, and, and and they're a bit antsy, it's uncomfortable. And so we're saving them time because that process, instead of taking eight hours, can take an hour to two hours max. Um, so so we, we save time for both, you know, your workforce and your back office. And then we reduce an insane amount of paperwork. Um, so when you're um, dealing with an audit, for example, you have uh, thousands and thousands of papers that you might be physically mailing to the Department of Labor to say, hey, here are all our records. Um, and so there's there's a ton of just manual work and time put into that. Uh, but there's also um, a, an element of like data privacy. So these are records that are people's social security cards and passports that are being photocopied and stored in file cabinets, um, not really you know safely stored, and then being mailed to the government. And we've digitized that whole process end to end. So, so you're basically, you know, have a, a single source of truth for your record keeping. It's, uh, you know, secure. We are, are this, the way we store data is the same way banks, um, it's the same system that, that is ensuring HIPAA compliance for hospitals or data privacy for banks. So, so we've kind of invested really heavily in that. Um, so there's a security element, a time savings element, and then like a paper and convenience element to it as well. Yeah. Any any way that a business interfaces with the government is usually just way more inefficient and time consuming than we want it to be. So like technology yeah. is just begging to be introduced uh, into these systems. Yeah, absolutely. What I'm curious with the people, whenever you're attracting talent, because you're obviously growing and you're bringing it you're trying to bring in strong talent uh, to your own team. Do you think they're attracted 
to the company because they're passionate about labor, because they're passionate about agriculture? Is it the technology that turns them on? Is it something else? Um, it's a few things. I mean, I think one thing that you hear very often, whether it's from customer success, sales, or, or engineers, is they want to work on things that actually impact people's lives. And, uh, and, and you know, we're able to, to say that very comfortably that we, we dramatically impact people's lives. So, you know, we signed contracts to bring in 37,000 workers last year, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll sign contracts for 80 to 100,000 this year. Every one of these workers is coming from, um, you know, a, a country where they're making 10 to 20 times less money for the same amount of work. So they're making life-changing money, um, and and most of that money is 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 actually going back home as remittances. There's entire towns in, in Guatemala that that we that we help bring in labor from, where ninety percent of the income of that town is is remittances from workers that we brought over. So so that that's very impactful for for anybody who's looking for a company where they can have an impact and they can actually you know affect people's lives and, and have a lot of people using the the software that you're building or the software that you're selling. Um, so that's been a huge part of it is, is like the social aspect. I'm always very cautious of, you know, not leading with that. You know, I don't like to pretend like we're a nonprofit. I mean, there's a social impact aspect to what we're doing, um, but we're also, you know, trying to build a, a, a business that can sustain itself. So I like to talk about the business itself and then talk about the dynamics of the industry and, 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 and the workforce that we're bringing over. And also the importance of, of this labor for the American food production system. Because, you know, without this, most farms that we work with wouldn't be able to operate, wouldn't wouldn't be able to pick the crop. There's a saying in agriculture, the crop doesn't wait. When a fruit's ready to drop, it drops, whether your labor is here to pick it or not. Um, so, you know, there's a there's a really important element to both, you know, the workers we're bringing over, but also to to the American food production system, to the supply chain. And, uh, and, and when we're interviewing someone, when they're learning about our business, uh, that that comes out pretty organically, pretty quickly, and uh, and so we we have a pretty good close rate with candidates we want to hire. That's awesome. Yeah, my take on it from the outside looking in is that there was a ton of friction in this process. It was already happening, but it was just slow, and time consuming, and confusing, and hard to navigate. And you have found a, a way to just focus squarely on this issue and remove a ton of that friction, just to allow something that was already happening to happen much smoother. Uh, way so if anybody wants to argue about the benefits or or whatever it's not it's not as if this you you started this from scratch like this thing was happening it was just really slow and laborious uh, to begin with right yeah yeah I, I also like to clarify that like we didn't invent h2a right like so there's a program that exists um it's being used it's growing like crazy and and, and we want to make it easier we want to make it easier for the farm we want to make it easier and streamlined for the workers we even want to make it easier for the government stakeholders who are on the other end um, and so, and so we see all three of those as stakeholders, um, but you know, it, it exists whether we're here or not. We just, you know, we're the only ones that have brought software or the first ones that have brought software into the space. Yeah. So you mentioned in the early days when you were, um, starting to shadow some of these farmers and understand that okay. how long has it been since that, that early day to now, how much time has passed from then till now? Uh, the, I mean, the first farms that I've visited would, I would say, end of 2018, early 2019. So it's been, you know, four or five years um, from just yeah. like exploring agriculture and exploring the market to, I started the company in uh, August in 2019. So it's a lot of growth in five years. What, years. What's been the, yeah. yeah what's been the most, well, I mean, really for we, you personally. Yeah. We didn't really start selling the product until like, you know, first it was like 
like I said, like working for free for a farmer, exploring, yeah. learning. We started selling it in the last two, two and a half years. So, mm. so that's, that's been, yeah, quite a journey those last two years. I'd say like one of the biggest moments was going from, you know, small, working with a small avocado farm, a small tomato farm, an ostrich farmer to when we signed our first top 10 customer in the industry. <laughs> and then, you know, he calls me the day before we start working together and he says, you know, can I, can I curse on here? Yeah, please. <laughs> yeah. He says, he says, he says, Michael, um, you know, just so you know, if you fuck this up, like there's no lettuce at Costco and you like ruin a contract I've had for 10 years. So like the stakes are high, like don't, don't mess this up. And and that was like a very real moment. I was like, okay, we're actually, you know, now we're, we're a player in this industry. And, uh, and that, that was a pretty like spell. I'll, I'll never forget that call. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, for anybody who buys lettuce at Costco or is interested in the industry, where would you, where would you point them to if they want to learn more uh, about the company? Um, that's a great question. I mean, we've had a few features um, in Forbes. We've had a few uh, features from Andreessen Horowitz and um, our website is pretty like in the weeds for our customers. Um, I, I have a blog post I wrote on our website about why we started the company. So that, that would be a good starting point. That's great. Michael, I enjoyed uh, hearing a little bit more of this story. I think it's a it's an interesting insight that you've uh, come across. And to me, uh, the value prop is clear as day. So uh, I'm not surprised that you guys have had the success you had in such a short period of time. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And, and, and you know, I would be remiss to not shout out my co-founder, Jordan Taylor, who uh, joined me from Farmers Business Network, uh, which is the biggest ag tech company in the country. Um, so you know, without him, none of the software exists. And uh, he's, he's been a transformational part of this company too. So uh, he's probably, you know, signing that big customer and, and, and convincing Jordan to, to do this with me were probably the two biggest wins that, that we've had to date. That's great. Shout out to Jordan. All right. Yeah. We'll call that an episode. Thanks for joining. All right.